Would you bow your heads in prayer? Lord, it is good to be here in your presence with your people. Lord, fill this house this day with your word and your spirit that we might go home edified and strengthened walking with you. In your name we pray. Amen. Pastor Bauer tells me that when you all aren't here, I stand in one place. But last Sunday, and he's probably home watching right now, he said, I could tell there were people in the sanctuary because you were all over the place. I missed preaching to you. It's good to have you here. You know, Lynn and I have been blessed. We've gotten to see a lot of cool things in our 40 years of marriage. Gotten to see the Mona Lisa, the Eiffel Tower. Got to, and I, I know, Ruth, this means a lot to you, have got to visit the gardens of Claude Monet in Givernay, France. I've gotten to see the illustrated, and I know you got to see this, the illustrated gospels called the Book of Kells in Dublin. Got to see, we've been to Washington, D.C., and we've seen the Declaration of Independence. We've been to Jerusalem, and we've gotten to see the oldest existing copy, complete copy of a book of the Bible, the Dead Sea Scrolls of the Book of the Prophet Isaiah. Now, all those things, are, in one way or another, a masterpiece. And they all have a couple of things in common that make them a, a masterpiece. One is that they didn't happen by accident. They were purposefully created. You know, talk about purpose. Michelangelo spent four years much of it on his back, on scaffolding, painting the Sistine Chapel. Now that's purpose, right? Also, a masterpiece always has in some way an impact on people and on the world. If you want to know the impact of the Mona Lisa, go to the Louvre. Go through the line to get in and then just follow the crowd. And the crowd will move you. You don't have to even know where you're going. The crowd will move you all the way through the museum right to the Mona Lisa because that's where everybody goes first. More than one revolution has been sparked by the ideas in the Declaration of Independence. I would have spent a longer period of time at the Monet Gardens were it not for all the crowds of people that were there. 
Third thing about, about a, uh, a masterpiece is that they are taken care of and protected. If you go to see the, the book of the prophet Isaiah in Jerusalem, you'll find that they built a whole museum around this scroll. And you'll find the whole scroll encased in glass, in a big circular piece of protective glass, and the lights are kept low, and you're not allowed to take pictures. All to protect this fragile document. That's what you do with a masterpiece. What if I told you that you are a masterpiece. Now, we started last week a, a new sermon series. I'm calling it The Story of God. And it's a, a sermon series we're going we're gonna to follow and, and we're going to take breaks from. We're going to come back to over, I don't know how long it'll take, because we're going to walk through the story of God, the story of Scripture together with some breaks and other things that we're going to do in between on Sunday mornings. Last Sunday we started, didn't we, by looking at God who is the master storyteller and looking at the beginning of the story that he tells in Scripture, the story of creation. Well, this week we look at God, the master artist and the creator. And we look at the fact that humanity is the crown of his creation. You're a masterpiece. Now all the signs are there in the text here in, in, uh, in Genesis 2. Starts out and he, he says in verse 7, Then the Lord God formed the man of dust from the ground. And breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And the man became a living being. And then a few verses later. And the rib that the Lord God had taken from the man. He made into a woman. And he brought her to the man. You and I are not. An accident. If you believe the scriptures as I do, you and I are not, are not the result of some evolutionary process. The word formed here is the word that's used to describe what a potter does when he takes a piece of clay and forms a pot. The word formed means to shape something with great care, with purpose, with artistry. The word formed itself says you are not an accident, you are a work of art. God's art. Created on purpose by him. 
and created with greater care than Michelangelo did when he, when he um, painted the, the Sistine Chapel so many years ago. I love, these are words that I use when I'm, whenever I'm going to the hospital to visit somebody and they're going in for surgery because I think it reminds them of how, what, what the surgeon is going to take advantage of. I love these words that David uses to describe us. He says, you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. You are created with purpose. And the artistry, the, the beauty is not simply Physical, it's not simply on the outside, it's on the inside. I love this from Genesis 2. God breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living being. You know, that's, that's what makes you different. What makes us different from all the other creatures that creep upon the ground. You and I. Have a soul. We were created to have a personal relationship with God. Human beings are the only creatures that build pulpits and altars and church buildings. Human beings are the only part of God's creation that consciously utters prayers or writes hymns or gathers together to worship Him. We were created for this purpose. There's nothing that is more about the purpose for which you and I were created than what we do here on Sunday morning. And my folks, it's because we have a soul and it's because of our soul that you and I have an impact on other people. It's because of that that God looked at us and he said to us things that he didn't say to any of the rest of creation. He said, he said, be fruitful and increase in number and fill the earth. That he said to all of the animals. But then he goes on and subdue it. Rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air and over every living creature. That he only says to you. Or in Genesis chapter 2, he puts us in the garden. We're going to talk about this a little bit more next week. To work it and take care of it. He made us stewards from the very beginning. Or think about, think about Adam's reaction I want to see what an impact a human being could have. Think, look at Adam's reaction when God brings the woman to him. Now, it sounds kind of mundane. This is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. Let me put that in the English. Adam said, wow! She's cute! Think of the people that God has used in your life. Your parents, 
your teachers, your DCEs, your coaches, your friends, your pastors. Think of how they have impacted your life. It's one of the signs of an, a, a masterpiece, isn't it? He, you impact the lives of others. Now there's the third thing. A masterpiece is always cared for and protected. And the truth is, folks, if we were to list an area where we fall down on the job, it's probably this one. Here, I'll show you my profile. I'm overweight. I have type 2 diabetes. I have sleep apnea. I have high blood pressure. I could open a Walgreens. Not really. Sometimes it just feels like that. Why? Why do we do that? Truth is, because we're selfish. Selfish even with our own bodies. We want to eat what we want, when we want, where we want, and do what we want. And then when the consequences come, we think, ooh, I shouldn't have done that. But it's not just on the outside again, is it? How we live and act, our sins of thought, word, and deed have an impact in, internally as well. Folks, what does Jesus say? He says, out of the heart come evil thoughts, murders, adulteries, and the like. Right? You know, with our souls, as with our bodies, it's the same. Garbage in equals garbage out. Folks, by our sins of thought, word, and deed, we do great damage to ourselves. There's a, you know, I, I know you all, I said last Sunday, I love the Harry Potter books. There's one thing that really struck me in the Harry Potter books. They're talking about when this, this guy, Lord Voldemort, the, the, the evil wizard or whatever, whatever he was, is, is killing people. And he said, they said, when, they mur when you murder somebody, it splits your soul. Tears it asunder. Well, that's really a good picture of what sin does, doesn't it? It wreaks havoc inside of us. Think about how the terrible things that we say to others hurt them internally. And think, folks, any counselor will tell us is some of the greatest damage that's done are the things that you tell yourself about you and the things, the messages that I tell myself about me. Self-loathing is at the heart of every addiction. We tear ourselves apart and tear ourselves down. I want you to see, King David describes the connection between guilt and sin and the physical. Listen to his words from Psalm 32. My bones, he's talking about when he kept silent about his sin with Bathsheba. My bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. It hurt. Day and night your hand was heavy upon me. I couldn't sleep. My strength was sapped as in the heat of summer. I was weakened by my sin. Folks, you wouldn't take mud and smear it all over the Mona Lisa. And yet daily, that's what you and I do 
to ourselves and to each other with our sin. Thank God that our Father in heaven cares about and protects his masterpiece. There's a piece of a small catechism that you learned when you were in confirmation class, Luther's explanation to the first article. It's right up here on the board. He richly and daily, this is God, richly and daily provides me with all that I need to support this body and life. He defends me against all danger, guards and protects me from all evil. All this he does only out of fatherly divine goodness and mercy without any merit or worthiness in me. And again, it doesn't just stop with the physical, does it? He cares about us body and soul. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. That's what, that's what God did when he gave Jesus. He gave Jesus to restore us to himself. God made him, Jesus, who knew no sin to be sin for us, that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by himself being cursed in our place. That's what was happening when Jesus carried your sin in mind the cross. That's, that's what Easter morning is about when God raised him to life again the third day. He set about to restore us, to make us new again, to make us new in soul and in body. You know, when we say the Apostles' Creed, we say this all the time, and I think we, 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 uh, we pass right by it because we think heaven is people, souls floating around bodiless and so forth in the life to come. That's not what the Bible says. It's not even what you say. I believe in the resurrection of the body. That's what you confess. And that's what's going to happen on the last day. This work of restoring you and me, God is going to complete it on that day when he comes. So listen to St. Paul's words. We will be changed in the flash, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised imperishable and we will be changed. Brand new bodies for eternity. Folks, you may not think of yourself as a masterpiece, but God does. He created you on purpose created you for a purpose, to serve him, to be faithful at work, to love your families, to care for your children, to be a good neighbor, to work and care for the earth, to tell others about him. He uses you and me, average but we are to change people, to make a difference in the lives of others. And he protects and cares for us. You know, a, 
a real masterpiece, they get, they get sold once in a while for millions of dollars. Well, folks, you know what God paid for your restoration? Want to know how valuable you are to him? He paid with the life and death of his own son. We need to quit listening to the voices of this world. Oh, we need to stand here and we need to confess the truth that we are by nature sinful and unclean, but it needs not to stop there because God doesn't stop there. As soon as you say that, God says to you, I know and I love you anyway. God looks at you and he says, I know and I forgive it all. I know and I paid it all. He wants us to see ourselves through his eyes and live accordingly. To see ourselves and to know that you and I are his masterpiece. Amen? Amen. Amen. Now may the peace of God, which pass all understanding, keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus unto life that is everlasting. Amen.